Finnovate showcases cutting-edge banking and financial technology through a global conference series featuring short-form demos and thought leadership. Now, the conversation continues on the Finnovate podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Finnovate podcast. We've got a fun one for you today. We're going to be chatting with a couple of the scholarship winners who will be on stage at Finnovate Spring coming up in San Francisco in late May. And joining me today, first out of the gate, we have Malia Lazu, founder and CEO of the Lazu Group and a lecturer at MIT Sloan. Malia, thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me today. Thanks so much. I'm so happy that you're highlighting some of us who are coming up. No, it's really exciting for us. It's a great way to make sure we're bringing new and engaging companies into the conference. Um, to start, can you tell us just a little bit about the Lazu Group and what you're all about? Absolutely. So at the Lazu Group, we transform people, places, and companies for a more inclusive world. And we really do that by understanding that culture eats strategy for breakfast. So not only do we help companies think through a DE&I strategy, not only internally, but how to enter new markets, but we also help them think through how do they change their culture so that it's more reflective for a 21st century workforce and customer base. Um, so we love working in the financial industry. We also work with tech and real estate. Um, and we really just love working with people who want to be responsive um, to building a new sustainable world. Yeah, no, it's really cool. And we're happy to have you coming in on the social scholarship that we offer. Um, I'd also like to talk a little bit about your background prior to founding the Lazo Group. Where did you come from? You know, can you talk about some of your experiences? Definitely, definitely. You know, I come to um, the Law Zoo Group with a couple of different career paths. I first started off um, as a community organizer when I was young, and I worked for Harry Belafonte for several years, working with at-risk youth, helping them start legitimate businesses. And it was in doing that work that I really realized the importance of um, the corporate world and the business world to invest in people who seem marginalized and invisible, but really have a lot of value. So um, I started working with companies who were interested in doing that. And one of them was a bank. And I found myself being a bank president um, and chief experience officer for Berkshire Bank, which allowed me to not only get inside and understand the levers of um, how you actually incorporate a DEI profit strategy and not just see it as charity, but we were also the first bank um, in New England to be able to introduce community underwriting. Um, we were able to bundle products for WMBEs. Um, and we were also the first bank to do non-customer PPP loans um, during the pandemic. So my tenure there really showed me how much change we could make. And when I left the bank, I thought it was important for me to work with other financial institutions for them to be able to um, do the work that we did at Berkshire um, and learn the lessons um, that we learned together. No, it's a really cool story. And I uh, applaud your kind of commitment to um, the DEI landscape. I think it's something that's really excellent. And the fact that you have that experience coming at it from a financial institution background is really interesting. So that actually kind of takes me to my next question, which is, can you talk a little bit about the importance for financial institutions to be aware of the different holidays and commemorative occasions 
that you feature in the heritage calendar that you're working on. You know, why is this something that banks need to be aware of? Or, or maybe put another way, what happens when they're not aware? You know, I think we know what happens when companies, including banks, aren't aware, right? And that's that they show up wrong, right? It's a reputation risk um, mm-hmm. to, to not know um, about, about other cultures and, you know, to show up either tone deaf or, you know, to ignore um, what's happening with other people around you doesn't flow the same way it did in the last century, right? Um, and especially with financial institutions, trusted relationships are what we're trying to build, right? We want to um, bank your whole relationship. We want to keep you from cradle to inheritance, right? And mm-hmm. hopefully keep your your family generationally with us. And you'll only do that with your money if you trust um, a bank. And what begins trust? Me knowing that you know something about me, right? Me knowing that um, I can come in as who I am and I can feel that I belong. Right. Um, that if I'm celebrating a holiday, you may know about it, um, that you may know the importance of talking about my sexuality and my fluidity. Right. When I see banks celebrating pride, I know that I don't have to worry when I walk in that I'm going to, you know, that I'll be sold some hetero hetero story. Right. That, mm-hmm. that, that they'll talk to me with who I am. So, you know, we built this calendar because we really wanted banks and financial institutions and anyone really to have a chance to look at the rich tapestry um, of culture that we have um, in this country and, you know, have a year of programming, of um, marketing conversations and know that you're doing it in a way with respect, right? With a curated list, um, with uh, some, with a, a friend, if you will, who can tell you how to do it respectfully and how to not burden um, your employees who may want to celebrate the holidays, but not be burdened with, helping a, their company get it right. Yeah, you, you, know, you make a really interesting point here at the end, talking about burdening some of the people. Can you expand on that and say a little bit more about what the burden you're referring to actually is? Absolutely. You know, with all the companies that um, we work with, when we're working with, whether that's employees or customers, what we see is that it's oftentimes the marginalized communities that are being asked to do the work, right? So um, if the you know, Black employees want to celebrate Black History Month, then it's up to them to come up with the programming. And it ends up really separating the holiday in a way that I don't think many people want to, many people intend to do, right? But it ends up putting an additional work on the people who are already marginalized, right? Who already had to fight for the holiday. Um, And so that allows people to feel more comfortable um, that, that they're not going to be burdened, you know, like, oh, you know, like I, I, I make the joke all the time, you know, like, Hey women, what are we doing for women's history month? Right. right yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like, what, why are you asking me now? I'm busy doing the work that you pay me to do. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, this allows an organization to learn in a way that doesn't put that extra burden and that burden really leads to tension. Right. Um, it doesn't feel good to have to teach your fellow colleagues how to include you. Um, it's much nicer when you can co-create a culture that just includes. And that's what this cultural calendar helps companies do. 
Yeah, no, it's a really interesting concept. And I think it's something which is is really you know spot on. And that's why we're excited to have you up there on stage. I don't want to um, give too much away. You should come to Finnovate Spring and see their demo. They'll be up on stage with a full seven minutes to um, show and talk about the product in more detail. Um, I, I do want to talk a little bit about just um, you know coming in on a social scholarship. What does it mean for you to be able to come to an event like Finnovate? You know, I think social scholarships are so important because, you know, we, I mean, we were at Finnovate last year, right? And, um, you know, we were speaking there and I'm going to be speaking again. So don't only check out my, um, our demo, but check out the other things we're doing there. Um, and, you know, as, a, as an emerging company, you really try to figure out what, where are the best places for you to be, right? And where are you going to be well-received? And I think, you know, this effort with Finnovate this year, um, and long may it last, you know, really helps companies who may not think that Finnovate is a place for them, right? It may not think that Finnovate is worth their time. Um, it, it, it makes it feel more welcoming. And, you know, and I hope that the people at Finnovate understand that this idea of social scholarship isn't some scholarship kid badge, but really an opportunity to get to know, as you were saying at the top of your podcast, to get to know companies that you may otherwise not know because, um, you know, we we still tend to be so segregated um, in in the work and especially in in financial um, in the financial industry, you know. So I think it's a great time for us to come together and sh and be able to see each other's value and the value we can bring to one another. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about connecting. And it's about connecting with people who can give you new ideas, new innovations, new ways to think about things. Um, that's that's what we really strive for. Um, last question before we run out of time. You know, what kinds of attendees are you looking forward to meeting at Finnovate? Who would you love to see stopping by your booth? I think the people, you know, I'm excited about meeting are people who are really interested in how do we work for, you know, the next three quarters of a century to build a sustainable world. You know, um, mm -hmm. it's not the 1950s. It's not the 1960s. We know so much now about what geopolitical events, um, you know, have to do with our economy. We know what climate change and all of these things have to do with our economy. And so, you know, what we hope to do at the Lazo Group um, is really help people who want to build um, a new way and a more sustainable way that's centered in equity um, for all of us that want to build an economy. So, you know, if you're down with thinking about um, how we make the 21st century more sustainable than the 20th, please stop by. Um, if you're interested in entering diverse markets, please stop by. Um, we're looking forward to, to meeting as many people as we can. You know, it's going to be very exciting. Uh, thanks again for the time today. And I look forward to seeing you in San Francisco. Definitely, Greg. Thank you so much. Take care. Continuing our conversations with our Finnovate Spring Scholarship winners, I'm pleased to be joined by Ema Rauf, co-founder of Pave.dev. Ema, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Greg. So to kick things off, can you tell us a little bit about PAVE and what you'll be showing on stage in San Francisco? Yeah, so at PAVE, um, we're an analytics API. We help consumer lenders manage their credit risk. Um, so our customers are really credit risk teams that use our solution to identify healthy borrowers, optimize credit limits, improve collections, optimize pricing, um, and more. And so our solution basically transforms financial data 
into predictive scores and attributes about an individual's cash flows and their financial profile. Yeah, it's a really interesting space and certainly something that is kind of top of mind for a lot of financial institutions and the companies that serve them. How can we expand the pool of potential customers while also getting you know, financial services to people who've been kind of excluded from, from being able to take advantage of some of those? Can you talk a little bit about the hole in the ecosystem that you're plugging? You know, what are you able to do that others haven't been able to do so far? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way we see the world is that the last you know, couple decades has mainly been predicated on traditional bureaus and FICO that's built on um, the bureaus. And that's worked great for certain segments of the population. But what's changing is that um, there's, you know, all this new financial infrastructure that's being created. So companies like Plaid and MX who are on the bank aggregation side, and there's all these new payroll APIs and liabilities APIs, and all these new ways for consumers to not only access um, their their you know financial data, but also connect that financial data directly with financial institutions. And so the whole idea of all of this data being generated and, and at a high velocity means that you know banks and, and lenders need to take a look at that and say, okay, maybe a consumer is more than just their credit score. That's the credit score is still meaningful, but what are these other elements about their financial lives to be able to answer questions like, you know, what's the likelihood that this person will be able to repay a loan in the next, you know, 30 days or 60 days? And how much new debt can this person actually afford to take on um, without putting them into um, a debt trap? And, you know, things like when when is this person expected to receive their next paycheck? And um, what's the most ideal time for this person to make a payment towards their loan? So all of those types of questions can now be answered when you sort of marry all this new data that's being generated um, and made more accessible with, uh, you know, sort of the, the more traditional sources. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you talk a little bit about the types of companies that you've been engaging with so far? Um, are you looking primarily at banks, at fintech companies, or something totally different? Yeah. So um, to date, we've been working with um, a wide range of consumer fintech, so companies building products that help people get access to their wages faster or help them get access to new types of loans, whether it's, um, you know, new uh, sort of, you know, debt consolidation or debt optimization loans and tools and things like that. And what we're starting to see now, you know, a couple years into the company is that banks and credit unions also have a real need for these types of analytics um, to be able to answer questions around how do you really personalize an offer uh, based on more elements of the person's, you know, financial situation? Are they are they entering a new life stage? Are they, you know, accumulating a lot of debt where they might need a debt consolidation loan and things like that? Um, so we're seeing across the board that not, you know, not only consumer fintechs needing um, more analytics and more of a unified view about um, their end, end consumer, but also banks and credit unions needing the same types of analytics to be able to answer these questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. Are you seeing, uh, well, first off, I'll just say, what kind of response are you seeing from those two groups as you're starting to engage with them? Yeah, so we are working with over 40 companies currently. Um, and so we power a wide range of use cases, including helping um, reduce defaults, helping increase acceptances by looking, again, outside of the, the traditional signals and looking at the individual's cash flows. Um, we help with improving collections, processes, and, and, and things like that. And 
um, what we're really excited about is this opportunity that um, banks are coming to us uh, uh, with on this use case of being basically the customer data platform for having a unified view of all of this data in one place so that use cases like the segmentation um, for offers and pre-qualification um, and all of the, the sort of personalization use cases that um, banks are, are trying to get into can be made possible um, with ease. I think that last piece, the with ease, is something that's obviously really crucial here, making sure that the technology is accessible and is, is able to be used by people. Obviously, having it available is one thing. Getting it actually to be used is, is a separate equation. Is, is that something that um, you guys have spent a lot of time thinking about, is how to make sure that you, you know, package it in a way that is accessible for anybody inside either those customer-facing or consumer-facing fintechs or financial institutions, um, anybody who might need to come into it? Because obviously a lot of them will be coming in probably with not a huge amount of tech expertise in terms of uh, the people who actually will end up using the product on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah, exactly. So the whole idea of um, our product, yeah, so it, it right now the ver the form factor is an API. So what that means is any developer or data scientist that has access to all the underlying data sources that they're working with. So let's say they have you know their own card product and they have all these card transactions, and then they have um, integrations with an aggregator like MX or Plaid or Finicity, and they also get access to credit report data and payroll information. What they're trying to do is say, okay, I have all these disparate sources of information about our end consumer, and they all have different challenges. They're all messy in different ways. Um, and I want to get one unified view of that person's financial life. So I want to understand their income in one place. I want to understand the predicted income, their affordability, um, any risk signals I should know about, any you know life life stage events that's happening in that person's life. And I want to see all of those signals in one place. So what they do is in a, in, you know, a matter of hours, they can start connecting all those different sources of data that they already have. And they feed that into PAVE's platform. And what they get on the other side are, are all these analytics that they can then use to power um, this huge range of use cases that, that we were talking about. And so the promise of PAVE is to say, okay, instead of having to build out all these thousands of data pipelines yourself and hire a whole team of, you know, data labelers to make sure that the data quality is good. And, you know, instead of putting your precious engineering and data science resources to extract analytics and predictions from all of this data, we abstract multiple levels of, of all of those things. And we say, okay, passes all this, you know, messy, disparate data uh, that's hard to to unify, hard to understand a clean picture, and we'll give you that clean, clean picture on the other end. So you can plug it right in and serve um, user-facing functionality, serve risk models um, on the credit risk side, serve personalization models for offers and, and things like that. No, it sounds really cool. And I look forward to seeing the demo itself on stage in San Francisco. I think we'll we'll leave something for that. I do want to quickly ask a couple of questions. You know, um, you're coming in on the female founded company scholarship, um, which is a new program that we've started to offer this year to help make the show accessible to um, you know, companies that maybe traditionally wouldn't have been able to come to the event. Can you tell me a little bit about what it means to you to be able to come to an event like Finnovate? Yeah, first of all, I think this program is is just so amazing. I think um, for for somebody like myself, where 
I don't come from a banking background. I've, I've never, you know, worked at a bank. Um, I, you know, it's hard for me to understand how do I even, um, you know, connect with the ecosystem and, and figure out how do I, how do I meet people that, um, do work at banks and, and are thinking about these problems so that we can, you know, talk about our solution and also learn about, um, the problems that exist. I think what, what's amazing is that, um, the whole idea of, in my mind of, you know, uh, the future of, of fintech and why it, there's so much excitement of, of in the space is that there's a huge diversity of founders, uh, including people like myself who are trying to figure out how do you create the next, um, you know, decade of solutions that can reach uh, people that look like me. And so being able to work in collaboration, trade ideas, be in the same room with folks who are you know, at the forefront of building these solutions, um, not just at, at other consumer fintechs, but also at banks. I think um, that's what Finnovate means to me. And that's what the scholarship, I think, unlocks. That's excellent. I mean, certainly that's what we hope the event will be, a gathering place, a place where people can come together and connect with each other. And obviously, the more diversity we can bring into that conversation, the better suited uh, everybody will be better able to manage their customers' expectations, to find those new ideas. So um, last question for you, what kinds of attendees are you really hoping to meet at Finnovate next month? Who are you really hoping will stop by your booth? Yeah, I'm really excited about meeting folks who are you know, deep into um, risk models. So uh, folks who are on the data science side or, or risk officers, um, underwriters, uh, as well as people who are really thinking about how to leverage machine learning and, and AI into um, some of the, the kind of initiatives around, um, you know, personalization and underwriting and, and credit risk and fraud risk. I think um, anyone who's excited about the possibilities of creating new products, leveraging more data to be able to do that and reaching new audiences is who I would love to meet. Excellent. Well, there should be a few of those types of folks in the room. I look forward to seeing you on stage and watching the demo itself. Anybody who's interested in learning more about what Pave.dev is doing, uh, check us out in San Francisco, May 23rd through 25th for Finnovate Spring. Ema, thank you so much for taking the time to connect with me today. Likewise. Thank you so much, Greg. The Finnovate podcast is produced by Informa Connect in association with Provoke.fm Media. Check out Finnovate.com for information on Finnovate's upcoming shows and to learn how you can get involved. The discount code Finnovate Podcast will save you 20% on tickets to all of our events. And you can email us at info at for information on sponsoring, speaking, or demoing. Thanks for listening.